This best states my heart for this church, Charles Spurgeon. A time will come when instead of shepherds feeding the sheep, the church will have clowns to entertain the goats. And I don't really want to bust your bubble. You can leave that room. I don't want to bust your bubble about Matthew chapter 7, but you think Matthew chapter 7 is another dispensation of time, and you're incorrect. I'm in the kingdom age, and it's happening now. Sheep and goats, wheat and tares, pearls, and all these things are happening now in the process of the kingdom age. And I'm in the kingdom age now because you know why? Because the king is in me. How can it not be a kingdom age if the king lives here? So the time will come that instead of the shepherds feeding the sheep, the church will have clowns entertaining the goats. So you can tell this morning that where my seriousness is, what I'm about to explain to you, and it will make sense before this thing is completely over. So for the last two or three weeks, we've been, we've been dealing with this five loaves and two fishes. It's five crestnos, which is crackers, and two sardinos, which is sardines. We, we've been studying this in Matthew. It's found in Matthew 14, Mark 6, Luke 9. So what happens is we have been talking about this. This is the same, this is the same storyline. And I'm going to take about three minutes to help clarify some problems because you're overlapping some things or you're not understanding some things because I've got two messages to ask questions. So I'm going to clear this up for you. Dealing with the 5,000, it's recorded in all four Gospels. It's found in Mark 14, Mark, excuse me, Matthew 14, Mark 6, Luke 9, and John 6. This is when he feeds the 5,000. Okay? And we know what happens is, he says in John chapter 6, 6, Jesus says to Philip, where in the world we're going to get enough money to pay for all these people we found out these, the word men means Andreas, head of household, 5,000 men, 5,000 wives, and a boatload of kids. There could be 50 to 60,000 people sitting there easily, easily. So Jesus asked a load of questions, knowing, knowing he's setting Philip up. And he says, Jesus said to him, he said, he said to prove to Philip, and prove is the word called parazo, and it means this, parazo means is to expose a weakness or to detect a deficiency. By definition, Prazo, Jesus is asking the question because these men have never, ever seen anything like this, what he's about to do. And what was that? It wasn't the storm. It was the breaking of the fish. Jesus looked like a blackjack dealer on fire. He took two pickled sardines and five club crackers and fed somewhere between 35 and 50,000. So, so what does he mean by, he, so the word prove, it means to prove that there was a weakness in the deficiency of their faith because he's about to see that they didn't have any faith to feed the multitude, but, but not in the storm business because they've already experienced life-threatening storms. We know this, and let's show this. This is found in Matthew 8, verse 23, Mark 4, verse 35, Luke 8, 32. That is, a, excuse me, 22. So let me, let me back up. 
They've already been in a life-threatening storm before Matthew 14. I don't... Anybody here go to Long Road besides me? Okay. Matthew 8 is before Matthew 14. I mean, you get the idea. You, you can carry on. So... In this, in this, in Matthew 8:23, Mark 4, and Luke 8:22, they are in a life-threatening storm where they thought they were all going to die. And Jesus says, "Peace be still," and they did not. So now, then, what he's about to prove to them is not—you you can't reprove something, because parazo means it means an education through an experiment. But once you've experimented, it's, it's no longer an experiment; it's now education. Don't stick your finger in the light socket. Well, go ahead and do it. You'll never do that again. Well, I don't know about that. So what happens is, is that it has nothing to do with the storm they're about to encounter. It has everything to do with breaking the fish they've never seen. All right? So go back to the 5,000 in Mark chapter 6. We found that in verse 52. Once he goes through this whole process, here we go, two sardinos, five crackers, how many baskets are left over? You know this. Twelve. Say twelve. twelve. Thank you. And we said that the twelve was given to each disciple. They go into the boat. They're rowing for ten hours in the, in the midst of this raging sea. And 90 gallons a piece, we figured it up, that, that twelve baskets a couple weeks ago equal about almost 100 gallons of fish and chips, pieces of fish, pieces of, of crackers. And in this small boat, that's about 23 by 8, there's 12 grown men in this small boat, not much bigger than half this stage in a small boat, and now then you've got fish going everywhere because the storm is everywhere, and they got fish in their hair and fish in their sandals and fish in their pocket and fish behind their ears. And when Jesus finally steals the storm, this is what he said because he said, you considered not the loaves and fishes. You were surrounded by loaves and fishes. Everywhere you look was loaves and fishes. You couldn't even touch yourself. You had sticky fish all over you. And we said a couple weeks ago, this is a reference to the blessings of God in your life. You still whine and you still complain, but you look around and you forget you've got blessings stuck everywhere around you in spite of what you're facing. This is not preschool. And, and, and so, so they consider not, they, they did not, and forget about it on the beach. I'm, he's not talking about it on the beach. He's talking about it in the boat. I mean, they got nasty fish all over them. I mean, their hair and their nose, and it's everywhere because the waves had been tossing them up and down for 10 hours. I'm like driving with Danny DeVork when he's sleepy. I mean, you're going all over the road. Malt shakes, ice cream, potato chips, it's all over the car. <laughs> so, the Bible says that they consider not for the cause of their, watch this, here we go, let's show this, the hardness of their heart. The hardness of the heart. Now, this is, this is where we're going to begin this process here. Peri is a word in, in the Greek, it means a stone. It means to be thick and it means to be hard. And it doesn't mean the hard-hearted like we would talk about hard-hearted 
it, it, it means their, their, their thought process was thick. They didn't get it. Kind of like me in Spanish. You know what I don't understand about Spanish? Everything. I don't get it. So JJ said, all you got to do is roll your tongue. I don't get it. I just don't get it. Algebra, don't get it. Don't get it. So there's some things. So even though they got fish stuck to them, they got it running out of their pockets, in their hair, between their toes, in their sandals, and it's all over them. But what's this? It's the hardness of their heart. It, it's still not. Now, this is where it's going to involve you, you good Bible students. That's been in church more than 25 years. They didn't get it. They had blessings stuck all over them, but they didn't get it. It never sank in. And Jesus said, the reason why you're not thankful or grateful or you appreciate what's going on is because you're looking at external things and all along that I've blessed you in so many ways and it's still not sinking in what's going on because of Peru or the hardness of your heart or your, you're the original Mr. Hardhead, what he said. All right. I'm not, I'm not accusing you of that. I'm just telling you like it is. The people on the front, well, forgot about that. People on the front row here, the original Mr. Hardhead. So, by definition, it means they did not understand the real meaning to what Jesus is saying. Okay? Now, let's, let's fast forward just a moment. Feeding the 4,000. Does anyone here, you don't have to raise your hand. Are you aware he fed 4,000 in another time? Thank you. He fed the 5,000, then he fed the 4,000. Feeding the 4,000 can be found in Matthew 15. Where's Philip? Matthew 14 is before Matthew 15. Thank you. So that would mean feeding the 4,000 is after feeding the 5,000. Is that correct? Go ahead and figure that out, Philip. Yes? Thank you. Matthew 15, verse 32, and Mark 8 and 1. And in this story, we have the same scenario, and we're giving they have seven little loaves, seven little wafers, and a few fishes. That's what we're giving. We don't know how many fishes, but we got a few sardines, and we know that the Bible says they did basically the same thing, and there's seven baskets left over. Okay? Now, so you're, all, you're already going to run off and say, well, why is there seven, not twelve? Quit doing that. Quit. When somebody says squirrel, quit, quit looking around. I'd like to read Matthew chapter 16, verse 5 through 12. In the message, please. This is feeding the 4,000. So would you just kind of look at me and just go along with me, entertain me? I won't see you for another week. On their way to the other side of the lake, the disciples discovered they had forgotten to bring along the bread. Now, there you go. The disciples, a chapter, two chapters earlier, they took baskets of fish and bread with them. If you're around me very long, if I'm going to start a lecture or sermon, you may want to bring a snack with you. So the disciples did not gather any, even though there were seven baskets later, they didn't even bring any for themselves. This is very important. 
So on the way to the other side of the lake, the disciples discovered they had forgotten to bring along the bread. All right. In the meantime, watch this. Jesus said to them, keep a sharp eye out for the Pharisees and Sadducees yeast. Now, leave it right there. The disciples discovered we're hungry. I thought we were going to stop there, but evidently, I'm, I'm not going to say anything, but my wife, bless her heart, and I love her. She takes good care of me. But she said, next time, you know, we're traveling somewhere. She said, hey, next time you see a restroom before a long stop. I said, okay. Well, before long, her before long, you know, Darren's got a sign in his restroom that says this, uh, a minute depends with your own inside the bathroom door or on the outside of the bathroom door. I'll just be a minute. If you're on the inside, it'll 20 minutes. If, if it's on the outside, it'll be like three hours. Well, what happens is, is that, that she'll say before long, if, if you'll stop and use rest. Well, you know, 75 miles later, you know, she's kicking the floorboard. She goes, I thought you were going to stop. I said, I just need you to tell me to stop. Well, the disciples, the same way. We, well, we thought we were just going to go right here and just, oh, no, we're going on. Well, we, we forgot to bring us any bread. So Jesus, they're saying this among themselves. So Jesus looks at them and says, watch it. Now, here we go. Keep a sharp eye out for the Pharisees and Sadducees, yeast or leaven. Where'd that come from? Don't you hate it when people talk about Texas Aggies when you're watching OU and OSU football game? Now, what's this. They thinking that he was scolding them for getting the bread. Once again, they're not getting it. They discussed in whispers what to do. Jesus knew what they were doing, and they said, why all the, of these words, worried whispers about forgetting the bread? It's like this. What are you talking about? And he used the word runt believers. Go ahead. <clears throat> Haven't you caught on yet? Don't you remember the five loaves of bread that fed 5,000 people? And how many baskets of fragments did you pick up? Now then, he's given them a life lesson. Did you pick up? Go ahead. And the answer was 12. Or the seven loaves that just fed 4,000, how many baskets was left over that you collected and they said seven. Haven't you realized yet that bread isn't the problem? Now, see the word problem? It's a, bad, it's a bad translation. The word is issue. What I'm about to tell you will separate me from all the clowns in America. It's right here. Haven't you realized yet that bread isn't the issue? The issue is leaven. I am not talking about sardines and crackers. I'm not talking about fishes and loaves. I'm talking about leaven. And you still are not understanding what I'm trying to do through you and to you. So he said, you haven't realized it. So they got it. I don't think they got it, but they got it. That he wasn't concerned about eating 
He wasn't concerned about the laws and vision, but the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and that kind of teaching. Now, for everybody that knows all this story about this loaves and fishes, pull on your big boy pants and listen up. If you don't understand what he's talking about, you are poros or you haven't got it yet. Why did you come today? Don't answer that. Just for the loaves and fishes? I hope not. There's people all over this town that's going to church after church after church, and if you're new here, I'm glad you're here. They go from one church to that church to that revival, and they're looking for loaves and fishes. This is not about loaves and fishes. This is about leaven in false teaching. <coughs> that's what he's talking about. That's what he's talking about. So, that's how we forgot the bread. And he said, bread. He said, I'm not talking about the issues, not with the bread. The issue is with the leaven. Now, I want to give you a little bit of it's, it's. I've said this a thousand times. Watch this. The, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they, they, they both, the Sadducees only believe in the first five books, and they believe that outside no angelic appearance. They believe no resurrections and nothing like that, but they did agree on the first five books of the Bible. But after that, they, they split hairs. All right? So in denominations, and I'm not a denomination, I'm just non-denomination, I'm just, I'm just a Jesus man. And if you don't like Jesus, you won't stay here. People act religious, but if they come here and listen to me, I'm telling you, I just, it's Jesus, it's, it's him, it's him buried, crucified, buried, and resurrected, and, and, and all power in heaven and earth given him and then given to us. If, 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 if you're a Jesus man, you'll appreciate what I say day in day. If you're not, you won't stay long. It don't bother me. These people come and go. It don't bother me a bit. I was in good shape before they come along. I love Jesus before I even met some of you. But the idea of this, there's three. So he says, so what's the big deal about the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees? They both had some good stuff in it. But... Somewhere along the way, they mixed in poison. So, Chuck, I'll tell you, Philip, he's the mathematician, but I'll give you some good advice that, that you can eat three good, square, healthy meals a day, but a spoonful of rat poison at night, and it's not night. The Pharisees and Sadducees had some good things going on. The Pharisees, they believed in all the prophets and so on and so forth, and they went a lot further than the Sadducees, so we'll use them. But I will tell you, somewhere among the mix of the good stuff, they mixed in poison. Somewhere in your Baptist doctrine, there's some good things. Somewhere in your Assembly of God, somewhere in your Pentecostal, and somewhere in your Church of Christ, Presbyterian, Vegetarian, whatever you are. I was somewhere, there's probably some good truth in there, but you've got to be careful. Somewhere in, I call non-denational churches, church of granola. You got nuts, fruits, and flakes in the same bowl. You got them. But you got to be careful. There's a lot of great people in denominational churches. Absolutely. They love God with all their heart. But I'm telling you, this should open your eyes. He's, the issue is not loaves and fishes. The issue is leaven. Okay. So here's an example. I may need a little math help on this, but I know I got a guy to help me. Five crackers, 
and two sardines. This is the good part. Five crackers and two sardines fed somewhere between 35 and 50,000 with about 90 gallons of fish left over. Would you agree to that? So we're going to put this, we're going to connect these together. So five scriptures with two Greek explanations will feed and satisfy thousands. Now just, but before, before we turn that off, let's, let's get this right. Just five simple scriptures with just two Greek words in it that you understand. will not only feed you and satisfy you, but everywhere you go, you can feed and satisfy thousands wherever you go. All right? Now, once again, I made a statement. It wasn't the fishes and loaves. It was the leaven. Jesus is about to explain to these men what leaven can and will do. So let's use it in the negative. Five misquoted scriptures and two misinterpreted meanings equal the ability to contaminate and poison thousands of lives that are sitting in a pew. He's not talking about the ability to break loaves and break fishes. He's not talking about, are y'all paying attention? Because I'm quitting if you don't. He's not talking about how you can take five crackers and two sardines and feed a multitude. The issue is not loaves and bread, ladies and gentlemen, that are sitting in a pew for 30 years. The issue is the living of the false teaching that you have allowed in your heart. Five misquoted scriptures. I combat misquoted scriptures. I am a Bible teacher. I'm not a Bible preacher. I am a Bible teacher. I know a couple verses. Five misquoted scriptures and two misinterpretations of that meaning has the ability to contaminate and poison Thousands of people. Watch this. The loaves and fishes has everything to do, watch this, with the ability of expansion. Jesus said, the day you'll get it, you'll understand this, and I hope some of you get it, is that I have the power to take just five small crackers and two small sardines, and I can expand it where it will feed and satisfy 5,000 and 35,000 and 40,000. But the day will come, and it's here now. Keep a sharp out because there's false doctrines that can take a little bit of a misquoted scripture and a little bit of misinterpreted meaning, and they can expand it. What does leaven do, ladies? Leaven expands. And the problem with your misquoted scriptures and your own perceptions of what the word says may be killing people. And if you don't know for God's sake, then shut up. 
just better to be quiet than get it wrong. If you don't know, you don't have to blab something. Because watch this, when you blab something, or if it's wrong, you know what you're doing? Your enemy has the same ability to spread the wrong verses and the wrong stuff as Jesus had the ability to multiply the real stuff. So you grew up, I'm pointing over here, I don't care who it is, you grew up and, and, and somebody tossed you with cleanliness next to Godness. It's not in the scripture. I've had people argue with me, and I said, you're an idiot. You're just an idiot. Quit saying things that has leaven in it, because once, watch this, you can't, you can't retract your statements. You can't unrung the bell. And once you say it, and it's wrong, and it's misquoted, and, and it's misinterpreted, watch this. Words go, they continue to live. Oh, baby. And what happens is this. Once you take five misquoted scriptures with two misinterpreted meanings, just something small, somebody took it and they ran with it. It might have been insignificant. And then they fed it to someone else. And then they fed it to someone else. And then they had a family reunion, and they said, well, guess what I read in the Bible while I was home locked in a closet with some incense, and Jimi Hendrix was playing in the background. Well, this is what I believe. Now, I'm going to say this. Look here. I'm not even going to look at you. I could care less what you believe. If it absolutely does not line up with the Word of God and can be backed up in the witness of two or three of the Scriptures, it is, should be debunked. What he's referring to is here. The loaves and the fishes never was the deal. Not in the 5,000 loaves and fishes, and not in the 4,000 loaves and fishes. He said, you knuckleheads, it never was about the bread and fish. Don't you understand? Don't you get it? Is your, is your skull so thick? Is your heart so hard that you don't understand what I'm doing? All you're seeing is how we can make money off the miracles of loaves and fishes, and we're going to just deal out cards like we're... Shuffling the deck of cards, he said, that's not what this is about. Your enemy, Satan, has the capability, what's this, of somebody coming up at Calvary Christian Fellowship and stand on this platform, and because they want to be heard and want to be seen, they spout off something that's misquoted and incorrect, and if you're not careful, you took it home and you wrote it down and you told it to your neighbor, and before long, you're poisoning, and you poisoned your family, and you poisoned your friend, and you're poisoning 35 to 50,000 people, and you never knew it come out of your mouth. Oh, now, when I found this out 15 or 16 years ago, I was throwing songbooks at somebody Bob Yan did. I thought, this is the greatest thing. Now I got it. I understand. It's so interesting. It's, listen, the Bible said there, there's safety in the counsel of, of, of many. The first thing your enemy wants to do is this, separate you. I mean, in your Bible study. I, I am so sick. There's people in this church. No, I shouldn't say. I know people that say, oh, I, I just have my own Bible study. I do. Well, that is stay away from me. Stay away from my kids. Stay away from my wife. If, if, if you do your own Bible study and you do your own thing and, and you don't have a covering, stay away because you're dangerous. Because your enemy knows the scriptures as much as you do, and he loves to twist them a little bit. Even as Satan said in the garden, oh, did he really say this? 
And then he said, well, then he said, not only touch it, but I mean, you can't eat of it, but then the Satan said, well, you can't even touch it. Well, God never said that. He, he didn't say that at all. He just said, don't eat it. So the idea of this is a little bit of leaven that will contaminate and destroy misquoted verses and misquoted scriptures. And I'm just telling you, watch out for the leaven. We're not going to legalize. Sin is sin, but we're not going to legalize it in the church. Hunters hunt, fishermen fish, golfers lie, and sinners sins. I understand that, but under no circumstance will I ever legalize any of that mess in the church. You understand my seriousness? Don't turn me off. I've told you all along, I'm not your pastor. I'm just really a prophet. That's what I am. And I'm telling you, this, this, is about, this is about living that has slipped into our church the last five years. We substituted good teaching God's word for music. So what's happening? You've you got to watch the leaven. And one thing about leaven, that it, it just takes a little bit. It just takes a little bit. And so nobody, nobody you invite me over. What are we having? Oh, we're having leaven. Nobody does that. What's for dessert? We're having leaven. What, what, what do you, Gala will tell you, what, what do you hide leaven in, Gala? Homemade rolls. Oh. Are you with me? And not only the rolls swell up, you know what else? You see, your enemy, your enemy knows where to put the leaven. And if you won't buy just leaven, if you just won't buy sin, whether you get mad at me and leave, you can have your money back wherever it's at. I don't care. I really don't care. I love you, but I'm telling you, we're poisoning, the church is being poisoned by the leaven. And we're tucking it in in the name of religion. It's killing us. And so he says, you, you don't get it, but I want you to get it. And, and it says eventually they got it. So as you pretty well know this, so, so what happens? I mean, what happens? I mean, Jamie's news, I'll just talk to him. He don't care. So, so, so what happens when, so the ability to contaminate and poison thousands of people studying the pew. So, so what happens? This is what happens. Is that once you partake of the leaven, then you have to deal with anger, rage, jealousy, gossip, adultery, fornication, fear. All this now is growing inside you. When you start biting into the misquoted scriptures and the misinterpretations, you start getting leaven in you. you and I mean while you're sitting on a pew. I mean, you can look holy if you want to. I don't care. But now then all this stuff is rising up in you because the true word of God is not there to suppress it or to quench it. So now then all this leaven is just working in your life and blah, 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 blah. This, this is found in, in 1 Kings chapter 18. Elijah goes to Mount Carmel, Mr. Bulldozer. He's seen it all. He stands before kings. He stood before armies. He's seen dead people raised. He's done all this stuff and blah, 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 and you know this story. Goes to Mount Carmel. Now watch this. So when I said that, so what's, where's the leaven going on? Fear, fear, fear. Don't act so faith-filled because 2020 was just last year. When the true word of God is taken out of your life and the misunderstanding meanings is taken out, then the leaven begins to take over. And I mean, we live our life in fear. 
Am I saved? Will I make it to heaven? Will I do this? Will this happen? Will that happen? What about this? What about this? And you just live your whole life in fear. And fear is not of God. So one day Elijah said, let's just settle this. You get your group and I'll, and I'll, I'll show up and I'll bring a lawn chair. So they started, there's about 850 total prophets of Baal in the groves. And, and so they set up this, this, the prophets of Baal, they set this thing up. This is found in 1 Kings 18. And he sets up a lawn chair. He's never been a part of anything like that. He sets up a lawn chair and they start that morning at 6 a.m. And they quit at 6 p.m. And there's dancing and drums involved. Nothing personal, Jamie. And I mean, they're beating on the drums and they're dancing and they're hooping and hawing and they're cutting themselves and they're, and they're calling out to Baal and blah, 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 blah. And you know, and this is what Elijah said. Oh, this is what he said. Oh, he must be asleep. Oh, you know, sing a little louder. He's mocking at them. He's right there in front. He's mocking at them. Watch this. This is very important. And after he's sat in this presence of this ritual for 12 hours, just, just said, ah, pff, it ain't nothing. He gets up and calls fire from heaven. It's all over. All right. Now, the next chapter. Ahab reported to Jezebel everything that Elijah had done, including the massacre of the prophets. He killed them all after the fire came down. Jezebel immediately, we know who wore the breeches in that house, immediately sent a messenger to Elijah with a threat. Notice she didn't send a knife with a soldier. She sent a, leg- she sent a letter. Your enemy can't kill you. He just likes to send letters. The gods will get you for this, and I will get even with you, and by this time tomorrow, you'll be as dead as any one of those prophets. Watch what it says next. (laughs) And when Elijah saw how things were and what she said, he ran for dear life. It's a letter. He has faced Ahab. He faced armies. He's faced insurmountable odds. There wasn't a ding in his armor. He was threatened. All these things come against him, and he wouldn't budge until he gets a letter from Jezebel, and and off he goes. He runs 75 miles in the wrong direction, and finally God said, what are you doing there? Forget that. He runs for his life. Watch this. Why in the world did he do that? How did fear get in him? I mean, this is the guy that walked up to the king and said, you're a knucklehead and hell waits for you. And by the way, it's not going to rain for three and a half years. There, he left. That takes pretty good. That takes, that takes a lot of gall. A lot of God. And now then he gets a letter on a postcard from Jezebel? And he just, he, he's he completely eaten up in fear. And here it is. Watch this. Because little did he know he had never said in a religious service with false teachings. For 12 hours, where's my drummer? For 12 hours, he said in, in a setting of just a, a normal, Baal practicing, worshiping experience. And he was yawning, he was looking at his watch, he was combing his hair. He never thought it would do anything to him, but what's this? It got in him. Some of you have been raised in circles of wrong teaching and you're wondering why you act like you, you've lost your complete mind. Is probably because you said somewhere under wrong and false doctrine. 
because if anybody ought to know this, Danny DeVort needs to know this, you probably need to be saved every Sunday. It's an old joke. You're, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. And this and that and this. And the reason why that's happened to you because of this and that, you need more faith. I'll tell you right now, what's this? It's found in Matthew 14 when Jesus finally gets on the boat, walking the water, and told Peter, he said, oh, you little faith, why did you doubt? No word in script. I will eat, on my seventh week, I will eat that back pew. If you can show me anywhere in the Bible where it says you need more faith. Nowhere. He said, all you got to have is the faith of a mustard seed. If you've got a faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. Nowhere in scriptures are we told if you had more faith, you can move more mountains. Jeremiah, it's not even in there. He, the, having a, a, the smallest amount of faith, and when he says, oh, you a little faith, he's not being negative. He said, you've got a little bit of faith. That's all you need. All you got to do is just get rid of the doubt. Somebody said, well, I only know one verse. <laughs> well, use it. Nowhere in scriptures have you told that we've got to have more faith. It's, that is false teaching. There you go. No wonder you're being poisoned. No, turn to somebody and say, no wonder you're acting like you're crazy. Tell them. My gosh. You don't need more faith. Oh, if I had more faith, just close your eyes and let's play some soft music and let's just light in the incense. Oh, if we had more faith. You don't need more faith. If you just got a mustard seed, that's all you need. You just need to get rid of the doubt. When I first got saved, I didn't know anything, but I had faith. And it wasn't much, but I'll tell you what, I believe God above anybody else. Let all men be a liar. Let God be true. So why did Elijah run for his life? Run from his life. Now watch this. Run from his life because of a letter. Can I ask you a question? Is anybody getting this? Just, I know you know loaves and fishes, but do you, know, you understand now what he's talking about? He's not talking about loaves and fishes. He's talking about living. And Elijah never thought about it. And I want to say this to you. You, you, can, you can sit in a, in a cafe and say, oh, I'm holiness. Oh, I got my collar buttoned up. I just played drums at the church. I'm sorry about that. I just played piano at the church. And, and, I mean, and you know, and then you sit in a cafe and somebody's got the jukebox going, there's a tear in my beard. And, you, and you're just eating, blah, blah, blah. And then you get in the car and you're going, I can't even whistle. And, and this thing is going over and over and over and over and in your mind. How does that work? Because your enemy knows. So the idea is this, that when he sat among a, a false religion, it got in him. So I can look back in the last 35, 40 years and and I can look at the churches that I was raised in. And I, and I believe, I, I guess, I, I guess, I guess they did the best they could. But boy, there were so many holes in some of that, the meanings of the messages. I mean, it made chicks, cheese, Swiss, Swiss cheese look solid. You good old Baptist, or you got to be baptized to be saved. That is baloney. That's a bunch of junk. That, that is the spirit of Antichrist. What's wrong with you? If it was just water baptism, he should have seen a sprinkler instead of his son. Oh, you got you, you got to speak in tongues, Pentecostal holiness, the church of God, and all the 
oh, before you get the Spirit, you got to speak in tongues. That is garbage. When you're born again, the Holy Spirit moves in. My Lord. There's all kinds of junk. Even today, I won't even start, but I mean the church world is full of leaven. You can live like hell, but as long as we, we look good, but it's the leaven on the inside. I don't care. Watch it. I don't care how many loaves and crackers you can multiply. I want to know if there's leaven in the thing. Because if, if you misquote things and misquote meanings of things, watch this. That has the ability to poison lives and give permission and tolerance to continue to spread wickedness and disobedience. So I got him. So I guess case in point is this, that we need to keep ourselves in a good environment. And I'm not saying it's just us four no more, by no means. But there are great Bible teachers out there John MacArthur, there's great men of God. Old school men. R.C. Sprawls, great men of God. James Kennedy, Charles Swindoll. These are great men of God that, that have been tested through time and, and, and through things, and, and they still uphold. Some have gone to heaven now, but their, their principles are true. They're not, they're not ever shifting sands upon every wave and wind of doctrine, as Ephesians says. The fear is a natural response for all of us. And it can happen. My grandson Simon, I think he's next door. He's 14 now. And when he was about six, something just happened to my family. It wasn't me and Gayla personally, but it was my family. But we had a great conversation with bitter tears of what we were going to do. We've had the church for 20-something years, and we, we were having a conversation between her and I of, 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 of this tsunami that has, was about to happen and, and what we were going to do and if we were going to stay at the church, if we need to fold. We, we, we wanted to be good to you. I, I wanted everything to be good. And... And I will tell you, there's a lot of things going in my heart. There's a lot of things going in my mind and this and that. And we just had some very bitter, broken-hearted conversations between her and I that day. And Simon come over at 6. And, of course, we never talked about anything with our kids. And we sat at the dinner table, and I call him Simon. And he was 5 or 6, I don't know. And we sat there at the table, and, and I looked at him, and I said, um, Simon, would you like to pray over the meal? And he was, I don't know, you know he's five or six, and he kind of looked at me like I wouldn't even jump off a cliff, you know. And, and he got real quiet, and I said, well, you don't have to. And he said, this is what he said. He goes, well, Papa, I've never done it before at the meal. I said, well, it's okay. And to be honest with you, I don't even know if I could have prayed. I didn't even want to eat, but I ate because here because we were just we were just crushed. So I bowed my head. He bowed his head first. And then we bowed our heads, and it was silent for I don't know 15 seconds, you know. And this is what Simon said. And it took him about 30 seconds to say it. 
But he said it in the voice of a five or six year old. And this is what he said, Jamie. He said, Lord, we love you. Takes him a while. The whole world loves you. And we are not afraid. Well, Gayla gets up and leaves. Looked like she sprang a radiator. And I wanted to get up and leave, but we would have left the boy alone by himself. And he'd have thought, man, I must have prayed something wrong. You see, just the prayer of a little boy that had five little crackers and two little insignificant sardines. And at that moment, it took a six-year-old prophet to bring me to my senses. I am not afraid. I sat in the counsel of a six-year-old prophet that reminded me of these three things. God, we love you. The whole world loves you. We are not afraid. I told Gaila, you write that on my tombstone. So this morning, Jesus is not talking about loaves and fishes. He's talking about leaven. Let's get it right. Let's break the word with correctness, with love. If people that are in sin, they need to know Jesus, then let's do it with love and kindness and generosity. The people that are born again in the faith, then let's hold their feet to the fire and say, let's get it right. And if you don't know, let's ask somebody that knows. Because once it comes out of your mouth, it has the capability of expanding, feeding thousands of people you're not even aware of. God is good. And I will tell you, let's stand this morning, and I will tell you, watch this, that in the situation of my kitchen over here after that prayer, God did not, watch this, God did not change that situation. But he changed me. I'm not asking God to change any situation in your life. The Bible says in tribulation you'll seek me early. Listen, don't come here whining to me. I love you. I'll pray with you. I'm not asking God to change any situation in your life that you're going through. I'm asking God to take that situation and change you. I am not afraid. I'm confident. I am above and not beneath. I'm the head and I am not the tail. God is for me. He is not against me. No weapon that's formed against me shall prosper and penetrate my heart. I'm not asking God to change your environment. I'm just asking Him simply to change you because if He changes you, you can endure anything. Say, so there, yeah. So that's why I teach biblical principles. That's not why I'm not jumping on board with every clown 
and horse and pony ride that comes through here. I want to get it right. You want me to get it right. Father, this morning, Simon's prayer, absolutely, I am living proof of setting in the presence of a prophet can instill courage and confidence and security that I've always known. And that young man will probably never understand what he just said, but I'll remember it as I go to my grave. So I pray this morning before we leave here that we all are not thick-headed and thick-minded that we get it. What you're really trying to say is both the good and the bad has the ability to expand. Let's get it right. So first of all, anyone here this morning, Father, that is going through anything they're going through financial hardship, marital hardship. They're going through emotional strains, and we all go through things. I could just quickly ask, and we could pray but to change that situation, but I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm just asking you to change them. Right in the midst of this mess, whether you heal them or not, whether you deliver them or not, whether you turn their finances around or not, I, that's not the issue. The issue is not loaves and bread. The issue is their heart, which you just changed their heart. Because we're all living proof of what a little bit of leaven can do, tucked away somewhere in the back of our mind. And the thoughts occur. And the thoughts become words, and the words become actions. We're very well aware of that. And we become and we act like men and women of God that we never thought we could become because just a little bit of leaven tucked away in a loaf of bread. We get it. I got it. I understand. I see it clearly now, Father. I know what you were saying. And I want to make sure that the teachings of your word and the interpretations of its meaning is spot on to the best of my ability. Because I want thousands to live, not be poisoned. So bless us this morning. Be glorified through us. Father, we love you. The world loves you. And we're not afraid. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you believe that this morning, give the Lord a praise offering. <laughs> Communion service, if you'll please come. And here's a case in point. Communion. Somebody asked me one time, why did you take the altars out? I said, because God told me to. He said, you didn't mean it. The altars didn't mean anything to you. You come down there and close your eyes and yawn and slept and act like you was praying. You was making light and marking the altar. He said, take them out. They're about to commit a sin that I won't forgive. 
Because an altar is a place of death. You didn't die. You're fully alive when they got back up. See, I want to give you actual and factual meanings of truth. And communion is, is a great example. But I'm here to tell you about the meaning of communion. It was the last thing that Jesus gave us as symbols of His body and His blood shed for us. It's not a ritual that we go through. It's not a process that will save your soul because it will not. You can be just as lost as a goose and take the bread and the cup and you can still be lost, but I'll tell you because we are saved by grace through faith. But Jesus said every time you take the bread and the cup, it should remind you of me and my life. And I don't know about you, but every time I think about Jesus, it, it puts me in a better spot. He sat with his disciples and he took the bread and the cup and he lifted the bread and he said, this is my body broken for you, your brokenness. Your broken hearts, your broken minds, just your brokenness. Jesus became broken that we could be whole. And he took the cup and he lifted it and he said, this cup, this is my blood that will be poured out and shed for the forgiveness of your sins. And as often as you take the cup, and as often as you drink the cup and partake of the bread, Jesus said, it will remind you of me. And for that, I gladly receive it. Father, bless this cup. Bless this bread. Please help us to get it so we can get it right. Because thousands of people are counting on us to get it right. In Jesus' name, amen.